Hi, everybody. This is Brian Trendler from the Shut Up and Laugh podcast. I'd like to welcome one of our newest sponsors, Gentle Frog Custom QuickBooks Training. Yes, you heard that right. Rachel Barnett, she teaches QuickBook workshops around the Seattle and beyond area, showcasing the glamorous side of data entry. Whether training one-to-one or one-to-many, Gentle Frog is focused on teaching people who want or need to be a DIYer in how to manage their QuickBooks bookkeeping. Rachel has the unique skill of distilling 25 years worth of experience into a what you need to know sort of DIYer package. Another great way of thinking about this is that you'll learn what you need to do and most important, what you need to not do. Please check her out online and learn why her clients have given her more positive reviews on Intuit's help page than most, if not all, of her competition. She's not going to hard sell you. That's not her character. She wants to learn about you. And if you find that you're not a good fit, she's got a huge network to introduce you to. Reach out to Rachel today, gentlefrog.com forward slash meeting, or call her at 206-850-1105. Hey, everybody. My name is Brian Trendler, and I run what used to just be a regular podcast here in the Pacific Northwest called Shut Up and Laugh. Um, Well, we're recording live today, so (laughs) I normally am not used to this format, but it's really, really cool because I get to sit across from someone who, um, well, has breached the digital divide. Um, Please welcome Corey Bear. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Isn't this weird? It is. It's because it's, I'm just in my little, you know, office out here in Bellevue, and you're over there. Yeah. It would yeah. be more fun if we were together, but you know, we don't yeah. want to give each other COVID. So. No, no, we we have to play it safe. So again, Corey, um, I I know you haven't listened to a lot of my podcasts, which also means you know you suck. But um, I I, well, I listened I, to the ones that were you know really important, like Fiona. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you have listened to a couple. All right. I honestly thought that you, that you'd been avoiding it because it's an hour of your life every single time. Oh no. Okay. All right. Well, normally the audience gets to be like, you know, you know, it's just an, it's just an audio thing with the uh, podcast studio behind me. So they don't know who I'm going to introduce until right off the bat. And there's no visual. They get to see you. So the magic's gone, but it's okay. Um, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to uh, uh, be on this podcast. Again, this is the first time that we're going to go ahead and post this recording, the video, after the fact to hopefully expand your influence and people who hear the message that hopefully you'll be able to share with us today about the power of laughter. And realistically, that's what this podcast is all about. It started by way of the company Marcel Allen and I created called Laugh Tech, stands for learning about funny techniques. And then people started asking more and more about what are the stories behind Laugh Tech? Or what are the stories behind you, Brian, or previously Marcel, or many of the people that we've had on stage? And then the podcast has come around now. So this is an opportunity to share um, kind of your beliefs about laughter and what you've been through and stuff like that. So again, thanks for taking the time. Good. I like that. <laughs> He's like, okay, it's great. <laughs> Right. Just remember, resting Zoom face is a thing. So if you start, you know, doing weird things, it's it's recorded now. This is right. forever. Well, my wife says I'm a, have a very animated face, and she's always trying to figure out what it means. 
I'm like, I don't even know what it means. I just made a face. I think I've told you this before, but ever since watching The Incredibles yeah. and hearing Craig T. Nelson voice that father superhero character, every time you do one of your boisterous voices, boisterous voices, I always see The Incredibles guy. Because you're always like, I'm here, you know? <laughs> no, and I, and I like that because I've actually, that's happened a few times. More than one person has said that. So for a while there, we were actually running with it when my nine-year-old was obviously much younger. Yep. I had the teenagers, you know, my stepkid teenagers on board. And uh, we were telling her that I was actually Mr. Incredible. That's fantastic. Oh my yeah, and, and she, she was buying into it. Obviously, that magic is gone. And she now knows that uh, <laughs> I'm just a dad. And uh, I'm delusional that I think I'm Mr. Incredible. Well, delusional is all part of the fun. I, um, I fully support that. So, you know. Yeah. Is what it is. All right. So you ready to jump right in? I am. Let's All right. I, I did a little bit of an awe-inspiring background check, which is the equivalent of really looking to one or two places online and getting some of the down and dirty about you and who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff. Now, all, all, all cards on the table to our listening audience and now our first ever viewing audience. I know you. I've known you for a bunch of years now. You're a great guy. Otherwise, frankly, you wouldn't be sitting there on this on this podcast <laughs> recording. But um, at the same time, I don't know everything about you. So it's going to be interesting cool. to dive a little bit deeper. But you are a financial advisor. I am. You work at Alpha Cubed Investments. Is that correct? correct. I said it correctly. Really? Good. I don't want to be cut off guard. Now, you, you studied finance at New Mexico State University. Is Correct. that right? Yeah. Are still right? Or they haven't found you yet? Or What's that? That's it. That is legit. Yes, it's evidently it's a, it's a real school. And uh, I think that was a, it's like a third or fourth generation Aggie come to find out. Wow. Um, yeah, my parents have gone there. My grandparents have gone there. And I believe my great grandfather even did a little stint. Wow. So did they actually I'm have to sure salute if they you? All, if, the, if the grandparents all graduated, but I do know my parents did. So That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. So, you, so, so you were born in El Paso, Texas. I was born, actually, in New Mexico in our oh, Okay. So um, I'm very proud of my parents. They were, I was a teenage pregnancy, uh, so they were very young. I think they were, like, juniors. Okay. Uh, and they you found were and I was born their senior year. So when they walked across the stage, I was in the crowd waving at them. I, I don't know many people that can say, hey, I saw my parents graduate high school. Oh my gosh, that's so, fantastic. I don't remember it, that's just a-, a But you had the rattle, you know, which is, yeah, which is wonderful. Yeah. Maybe distracting a little bit. Cheer. My dad played basketball, I think his number was like 42, and I had a jersey that said 42 and a half. So, I mean, they, they had fun with it. Yeah, they're still married today. So uh, 40 years later, coming up on 41 years of marriage. So I'm really proud that's of them. Yeah. That's great. Well, definitely have a jersey created at 42 because then that's going to be just awesome. Right. You know, just the, the full circle, everybody. I'll be 42 and a half, just Pretty a much bigger version. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's great. Okay, so did you do your high school and all that fun stuff? Uh, in Paso. In, in El Paso. Yeah, so my folks moved, they moved out of Artesia, obviously, after they graduated and went to college. Sure. Down in New Mexico State and Las Cruces. And then we uh, moved over to El Paso, which is like 45 minutes east. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I grew up. So I grew up uh, right across from the border of Mexico. So how much therapy did it take to actually lose your accent? You know, interestingly enough, I don't think in El Paso we have much of one because, I mean, the accent that you would have is more like a, if you spoke Spanish all the time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, because well, that was spot on imitation. I'm sure we offended no one. No, never, never. <laughs> but I do, I, yo hablo poquito español. Pero nice. Yo necesito y practicar más por... No idea why you know, uh, see, and then I'll lose my words sometimes. So, uh, anyway, you lost me at L. Yeah, whatever. I was just L basically saying I speak a little bit of Spanish. It's okay. not that great. You know, I could always do a better job. And I'm sure our listeners will agree with you. So, it's <laughs> fantastic. All right. So, what year did you come out from Texas? Texas. Texas. What? When did you roll out here? So I, I came out here in 2012. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was the summer of that summer in August when I came to visit. And y'all were having a 90 days of sunshine in a yeah. row. Yeah. And it was in the, so I had just been living in, um, after graduate, after I graduated from college, I, I got swept up by a little company called Pfizer. And went out to Midland, Texas and uh, entertained doctors and peddled pills for a while. Okay. And uh, so I was a legal drug dealer, which was a lot of fun. And then, so when I came out here, I was, I've was i just been in Midland, Texas, which is like a town of about 150,000 people. So it's not mm-hmm. overly large, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, can, it's not like really small either. It's like uh, Spalton, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but I really was coming to the big city when I came to Seattle. Yeah. So, you know where I was from, weather didn't really make the news unless it was like, you know, tornadoes, big giant hailstorms, yeah, sure. flooding. And on the front page of the Seattle Times was this like 90 days of sunshine. I mean, y'all were pretty, pretty proud of it, which I just thought it was great. It was like 75 degrees here. Nobody has air conditioning. People are outside playing around because you're not dying from heat stroke. It yeah. definitely damaged you though, because that that is unusual. And I, I I can't say I remember that exact year and or situation, but but yeah, when when it when there's extended days of vitamin D, everyone here gets a little wonky. It's yeah, I'm very it's excited. I also started to learn about how everybody thinks it's hot when it gets over 80 degrees. And uh, so that was a new one, you know, because I didn't think it was hot until it got over a hundred. Exactly, exactly. Of course, when I got here, I had really thin blood. You know, I've been living in the for a long time. You know how to properly cook an egg on the on it on on, yeah. on a sidewalk. Yeah. You don't have any idea. But I was really cold too when I got here. Yeah. Right, seventy five was chilly. Uh, but yeah, it was beautiful. So, um, you know, what brought me out here? That's kind of what we're digging at. Oh yeah, we'll oh, we'll yeah. we'll get there in a minute. Okay. All right. <laughs> And actually, again, for the sake of our listeners only, um, normally, the folks I interview have no idea what type of conversation we're going to have, because I, I either dig a little deep or I just keep it on the surface and give people the opportunity to go wherever, but I did give you the heads up on one thing, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel get there. <clears throat> All right. I will. So in the spirit of shut up and laugh, you know, look, product placement, there, there, there we go, I'm good. There you go, little plug. Mm, coffee. Um. Tell me about Alpha Cubed Investments. I'm going to jump right into this. I'm going to jump yeah. to the uh, questions because 
there is a current thing going on, which I think you and everyone else knows about, which is the reason we're doing a Zoom call versus you sitting here being interviewed in the podcast format. It's a real cluster frack of an environment. And I want to hear about your business, what sets it apart from the from your average competitor, right? That does financial advising and financial investments. But now you're dealing with a lot of crazy, a lot of up and down. Can you yeah. sort of summarize what's going on in Corey's world to give people yeah. sort of an idea that, that won't get you, um, you know, terminated from your license perspective and everything else? <laughs> Yeah, so anything, uh, if I mention any stocks, you know, here's the disclaimer, don't go out and buy those. You know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying that these are good things to buy. But no, the general, I mean, a lot of people do ask me when you're in this business and you look at the markets all day long instead of the data that's behind it, people are constantly asking, you know, what do you think? So um, I make the joke all the time to, you know, to the point about laugh is I'm in the opinion business and I got to have one. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, where we're at right now is if you go back in time and look whether a market was created because of something financial that had happened or something like this, like a, like a, you know, some medical issue that's actually become a economic issue. The recovery is always in the shape of a W, right? So the market will come down and then it'll go back up and kind of, you know, retrace some level 38%, 50% from the bottom. Yeah. And then it'll go turn around and go back down, test that bottom, break through it, get close to it somewhere in there. Sure. And then it'll rise out of the ashes and we'll move into, you know, the new world. Yeah. Now this one has been rather interesting because, you know, we basically in March, everybody was like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We're all going to stay home. Market <laughs> sold off. You know I mean? We were having like thousand point days and yeah. thousand points. And I mean, just crazy stuff. Right. So, you know, big shifts. Uh, March 23rd, the, the market reached the bottom, evidently. Uh, we never know in that moment if that's actually going to be the bottom until you look yeah. back later in time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is. it was. And since then, the Fed, you know, started pumping in a bunch of money into this economy. Uh, some people are getting PPP money. Some people are getting some uh, unemployment. They're getting a little bit more unemployment because the Fed came out and uh, federal government, you know, gave them a little bit more. So be more with unemployment than they were when they were actually earning an income. Incentivized just to stay home, which is great. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and then now we've got a bunch of rules as we're going to open back up. But what I've really looked at this is, is the markets rallied out of this low is that this is kind of like hope, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no truth Aww. to any of this yet. This is just, yeah, it's all going to be perfect because the Fed saved us and we're going to be so lucky. And I just Instead don't know. W, it was an H, right? Yeah, this is like a V. I mean, this is, you know, yeah, or like a, a U almost. I mean, it's it's been interesting, right? So yeah. I, I don't have a lot of confidence that we're going to to be able to stay here. You know, there's there's other people out there that will tell you, yeah, this this thing looks great. I mean, I hear both sides of the argument. I'm a fundamentalist by nature. So the fundamental data has to back up sure. where we're at. Yeah. There's also this thing called technical trading and some people do that as well. I We incorporate it, but at the, at the foundation of what we do, we look at the fundamentals and time and time again, fundamentals win because when companies make money, their stock prices typically go up. Yeah. 
when yeah. companies okay, don't right. make money or lose money, <laughs> their stock prices go down. Weird, huh? You know, people sell out, right? And uh, here we are. Companies yeah. aren't making money, as much money or any money, and their stock prices are going up. So, yay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know how to really, you know, I, I told clients, look, this is great that it's happening. I think we should take advantage of it. Let's pull some risk off the table. Let's get ready. I would rather be, you know, this is how I've explained it is I don't want the economy to suck. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I want. But what I do want is for the fundamentals to catch up to it. So I would rather be wrong in my theory that we're actually going to go back and test the lows and this is going to get much uglier. Yeah. Right and have my clients situated more conservatively right now. And I miss out on another, I don't know, five to 10% of upside, let's say, yeah. okay? Until the fundamentals catch up. And then I go, okay, well now it makes sense. Everybody's doing fine. The Fed really did save us. Oh, thank you, you know, yay for Congress and this and everybody, they, they saved us. You know, they threw all this money at us. But what if I'm right and I don't have my clients positioned correctly? Yeah. It could be a lot more damage done that way. So in the, hopefully that was, you know, a summary enough. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at. You know, I just kind of where my views are at anyway. Your job is riveting. It is. A, it's a lot of fun. I like it. You know, the, the market moves up and moves down and uh, got to <laughs> figure out and navigate, you know, stormy weather all the time. So. Sure. Sure. Fun. No, it's, it's, it, it's really funny because, um, I am absolutely terrified of your world. And uh, again, for the sake of full disclosure, you are my financial advisor and you've been kind enough to look at me and go, oh, Brian, <laughs> you know nothing, Brian. So um, I like to think of myself as a clean slate versus, yeah. you know, anywhere to go but up. I mean, I'm hoping I will, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but you, you've been very kind and very patient and I'm assuming that all the laughter about me has been behind my back versus um, in just in front because you know I'm I'm surprisingly fragile. <laughs> I can't get hurt. Um, is is there any one level of crazy that you've dealt with so far? Any any one particular person you can change their name or anything that's just been happening? I mean, are people selling, selling, selling? Are they losing their mind or are they really are they diversified from their investment strategies with, of course, Elephant Cubed Investments, who should really consider sponsoring this program. Uh, but I mean, I mean, is there anything really happening from that standpoint that's, that's keeping you up at night? There, I mean, here's how it works. You know, their client, at the end of the day, it's your money. I mean, if yeah. you were to call me tomorrow or, you know, after we get done with this and say, hey, Corey, by the way, I know that the market's having a tremendous day today. And yeah. I, I heard what you said on my podcast, but you know, I really want to just buy in right now. Oh, my buck 50, would you come on? Yeah. I'd be yeah. like, well, I don't agree with you, but I will do what you tell me to, right? Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, I'm always going to just take instructions from my clients. I'm going to advise them, but you know, advice is nice, right? Because you don't always have to follow it. So I have clients that have gone all the way in, all the way out during this time. Um, and I've not been an advocate of that either. Because like I said, I don't have a crystal ball. So the idea really is to find, for clients, it's to find a way, and especially with me, it's to find a way that they're going to be comfortable sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. So I've got to have them positioned, meaning enough stocks and enough you know, cash, enough bonds, that as the market moves up and down here, 
that they're not getting overly concerned and spending too many hours in the evening awake when they should be sleeping. Yeah. Um, maybe they're watching Netflix, which would be good too. You know, ideally they're Fair king. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, which we're on the dead to me right now, by the way, just kind of plug for the, that show, you know, that's a lot of fun. Um, but I do have clients that, you know, have wanted to buy in, have been more speculative for those that can afford the risk. I tell them, look, I think it's risky, but yeah, let's, if that's what you want to do, I will do the order. Yeah. Uh, for the ones that really can't afford the risk, I really try to do my best to talk them out of it. But at the end of the day, it's their money. And, you know, literally I'm, I'm a tool, right? You know, I mean, in the advice business and it's a consulting world, really. I call and, it a tool for years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually used y'all's service. The tool you offer is very yeah. good. <laughs> oh my gosh. You may be speaking about a different tool. Yeah, whole different, whole different uh, way of projecting that <laughs> moniker. Um, okay. Um, tell me about your family, Corey. Brothers, sisters. You, yeah. you, you, you told me a little bit about your mom and your dad and the fact that you were a whoopsie. Um, you, know, you know, talk about your Talk about your SATs, you know, um, <laughs> those things you want to avoid during high school. Uh, tell me about growing up in the Bear family. What was it like? I mean, was your father a, a gigantic presence like like you are or or what? <laughs> yeah, so dad was, um, he's a big man just like me. So he's, you know, 6'5", and uh, he used to be heavier. He's actually done a good job of getting his weight back down. But, nice. um, and my mom is this little tiny five foot three, beautiful redhead. And, uh, and there's three of us, three of us kids. So there's me, I'm the oldest. I got a little brother, about three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. I got a sister that's uh, five years younger than me. So, okay. so they were much closer in age and I was a little bit more separated from them yeah. growing up, you know, doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was much more independent and, uh, probably has something to do with being raised by teenagers and you know maybe you just have to move on your own I don't know yeah <laughs> you know, yeah sure it as a family all the time but you were close uh, enough all together that that you that you had what you had family dinners you had stuff like that to kind of oh yeah so we're household. very old school traditional you know we ate dinner together at night as a family growing up uh, church on Sundays and had a Sunday lunch afterwards and you know, I played sports and, you know, my sister was in activities, my brother was in activities and my parents ran around. They both worked, you know, my mom was a teacher, my dad was a banker and uh, my dad was uh, worked for a community bank for a long period of time before he joined Wells Fargo. And so, uh, and he, they did a really cool job of limiting their opportunities, I would say from a uh, career stance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still doing well, but kept us all in El Paso. So we literally grew, I mean, I had friends that I graduated with that I'd known since I was five. So that's it was awesome. a pretty interesting. I mean, you look at the world today and I don't think, you know, a lot of people are doing, I know I haven't, yeah. right, my own children. So, uh, you know, it's a different world where people are being raised in the same place the entire time. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was a wonderful family. So. Was there was there a lot of laughter in the household? Oh yeah. So, dad was a big joker. You know, mom was constantly ragging on him to stop. And, you know, it was sure. you know, there was plenty of plenty of laughing going on and 
lots of joy. Um, you know, but it was, they were a young family. So, you know, yeah. financially, I think it was stressful on them most yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah. The kids barely out of college trying to feed everybody and make it, you know. The uh, interesting thing, and I don't know if I've ever shared this to, uh, with you, but the first time I met you was obviously through the uh, professional networking group that you and I are both um, both members of. And the first time I connected with you was, of course, when your when your hand swallowed my tiny man hand. I mean, I'm I'm six three, but you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's amazing what an additional two inches will make. I mean, you you're you're six five ish, and you're you're just larger. <laughs> so you kind of swallowed my hand and I took it back. I was like, huh. But it was funny because I immediately got this vibe of, oh my God, this, this guy's just like me. And it's funny because you talk about that family thing. My family always had those family dinners and there was always a lot of, of, of humor in some way, shape or form or another. And I don't know if your mother was the, primarily the cook of the family, but mm -hmm. mine was. She was pretty much the matriarch. And what she said happened, and my father would dutifully go and set up the charcoal briquette, you know, uh, grill, and and you know, because you got to use charcoal, and right. you know, and he would he'd cook the bird during the holidays or whatever, or roast the ham, you know, that type of thing. But but predominantly, he didn't touch anything else that I can recall. So it's just funny because I immediately got that vibe, and um, I, I almost feel. Um, like justified by by way of hearing that because that stuff creates a big chunk of who we are right, right. as kids and it doesn't matter if you were whoopsie or not whatever you yeah. had a family that stuck together yeah. and um, that that stuff is really important so with that being said let's go back to how you got out here okay yeah. um, we uh, we have jeez uh, and I'm, I'm I normally do this in podcast form so no one can see me fumbling. Uh, we have about uh, eight minutes before we need to take a quick break for our sponsors and advertisement or two. But give me an idea of um, what it was like coming out here. Because I know you hadn't originally intended to come out to the Pacific Northwest. Right. But you did. So you willing to share a little bit about yeah. that? So, I mean, you know, that's what makes life life, right? I mean, we, I, if you had a life, if you somebody out there who's whoever's listening has had a life that has had no struggle in it. I want to applaud you and tip my hat to you and, and I'd really <laughs> like to hear from you. Yes. You, oh, you should write a book because that would be interesting. Yeah, like guidelines, that. yes. Right. But uh, you know, I went through a divorce uh, down in Midland. I was going through one. During the course of it, I um, we had actually gotten pregnant right prior to my wife leaving and uh you know i picked up a bottle and started to drown my sorrows in that and uh and it took a hold of me um like something i've never known and of course you got this baby that's coming along and you're trying to navigate divorce and obviously growing up in a family that had stayed together yeah you know i it was bonds. feeling an immense amount of pain and just failure really i mean Divorce is interesting, right? You know, you bind yourself to this person in the beginning as you get married and you think, especially when you're young, I think, I mean, you know, I'm remarried today and my thoughts are different, but when I was married the first time, it was like, oh, this, okay, well, well, that's what you do. You get married and then you stay together because I was fortunate enough that that's all I saw, right? I never saw 
parents who, I mean, I knew that they were, there was stresses going on, but I didn't, they didn't argue. They, these people yeah. didn't fight. I mean, yeah. they just got along and moved through it. And so I just thought that's what happened. You got married and everything works out. You know, it's just all like bells and sure. happy balloons. Puppy right. dogs and kittens. <laughs> so, you know, and then I went through, you know, once the, once our daughter was born, I went through a pretty nasty divorce. I mean, it was, it was one thing to split. It was another thing to go through a massive divorce. During that time, I'd been laid off by Pfizer because they decided to lay off 10,000 of, you know, me and my closest friends. And so, because uh, it was 09. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the world was uh, kind of like it is now. A lot of, lot of uh, disarray. So yeah. that being said, I, I didn't have any work. I was on unemployment. Um, I was drowning in a bottle and uh, my wife was leaving me and she, we had a baby on the way and I was just kind of lost really. Yeah. And um, you know, I was fortunate cause I had a family that loved me, loved me a lot and they wouldn't give up on me. And they also were doing the tough, they, they got healthy enough themselves to do the tough love that is necessary for somebody that's suffering from addiction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they pushed me to go get help. And, um, you know, it's not to say that there wasn't some ugliness along the way there was yeah. right? Yeah. There were probably most days where they were just like, ah, throw their hands up. We're done with you kind of thing, but they never gave up on me. And they, they did help me get into a treatment center mm -hmm. and I was able to scratch together a few days and from there scratch on a few more days while I was in there. And all of a sudden the world started to, to become a little bit more hopeful again. Yeah. And um, I embraced myself in the, pro the program of Alcoholics Anonymous for a long mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I tried to go back to Texas right after my first round and uh, proved that, you know, Texas is a lot of things. And, and the area I was coming from was one of them, which is, you know, that, uh, that cocktail come, you know, three thirty, five o'clock, it's, it's pretty normal, regular thing, and uh, it, it's always five o'clock somewhere in Texas. That's right. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty yeah. normal. I think it's one of the last states that still has an open container law on the books. I mean, they just like, oh, you're drinking and driving. That's good. Yeah. Don't hit nobody. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, we're worried about you. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't succeed. I, I yeah. had a relapse, and uh, but I quickly got back on the wagon and uh, checked myself back into that treatment center out in Arizona. And after I got done, my counselor there was like, hey, so last time you went and you got yourself about 10 months, during that time I was getting to see my daughter. It was you know, wonderful. She was uh, just an amazing little baby and it was, it was really cool. And during that relapse, you know, I, I lost a lot of that and uh, had to, um, kind of revisit, you know, what I wanted out of my yeah. life. Sure. And so it was then that I said, all right, fine, I'm going to go do this. I'm just going to do it different. I'm going to kind of throw, I'm surrendering. Yeah. I'm going to just kind of throw my hands up and be like, all right, why don't I stop trying to make a decision about how my life's supposed to look and just kind of let this higher power, you know, who I now call God, but at the time, you know, was a higher power kind of drive the bus so that led me to coming out to Seattle so fantastic
and that's where I Okay, am. so I have a couple more questions for you regarding this. Thank you for sharing this, and congratulations, by the way, on finding sobriety. Um, I know many who have been through it. Um, I have not been through Alcoholics Anonymous, but I've also looked down the neck of a bottle many, many times, and um, I, I appreciate those who have struggled and gotten beyond um, the initial diagnosis, shall we say. <laughs> there is so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break. I'll see you on the other side. And again, um, thank you very much. This is Shut Up and Laugh. All right. Thank you very much for everybody uh, watching this recording. Um, this is kind of almost a behind the scenes thing because um, the platform I use, Anchor.fm, it's a really, really phenomenal platform. It allows troublemakers like me to record in 30-minute sections. And then normally behind the scenes, I'm dragging and dropping things and creating what is now essentially the podcast that you're listening to and or watching right now. So I've been secretly texting Corey in the chat window here of Zoom saying, hold a minute. And really, this is because Zoom the platform we're using right now, it's phenomenal. And even though they're not paying me to say this, they do it right. When we record a session like this, I get the video and the audio, and then one that's both. So this allows me to take what we've done via Zoom and take the audio and go mix that accordingly to then launch the podcast. So cool stuff. Um, thank you once again, Corey, for joining us. Um, again, this is Shut Up and Laugh. This is a uh, normally a weekly podcast. I uh, had a couple hiccups over the past couple of months <laughs> with what's going on, but um, I get honestly the honor and joy of sitting across people, or in this case now, breaching that digital divide, um, but interviewing folks that I got a lot of respect for and or love, like in this case, the brother from another mother, um, and uh, prying a little bit deeper into what makes them tick, uh, what makes them who they are, and course you've got something special to share with the audience that's what shut up and laugh is all about so again thank you for taking the time Corey bear i appreciate it yeah. thanks brian for having me i'm having a lot of fun so very cool and this is your first time doing something like this isn't it yeah like period you know <laughs> and maybe never again but okay <laughs> so on the other side, you were talking about um, your struggle with alcoholism and what brought you out to the Pacific Northwest and how you got through that. But what we didn't have time to cover is how did you get through it? Because you're a funny guy, man. You're always laughing. You're always making people laugh. And it's one of those things I've always admired about you. And I'm curious if you're willing to share, um, aside from maybe going deeper into some of the divorce details, how did it affect you? How did it affect your life and your direction? Because you were on a different path, right? Yeah. And and obviously it affects your relationship with your kid at that point. Um, what did Corey constantly do to recenter himself and maintain this great attitude that we've all now had the joy of seeing long after the fact? Uh, well, that's sweet of you to say. I'm sure there's some that would probably say that my attitude is not what they wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, to each their own, right? Those are the great things about opinions. Um, you know, so th there's some tenets that you learn when you're in recovery, okay? And one of them is that, you know, you're powerless. This idea that I'm powerless over everything. And there's some, at first, you're kind of pissed about it. You know, you're like, this is BS. There's no way that I'm powerless. I mean, look, who... I got myself here and 
I'm doing this and look at what all the accomplishments that I had in my life. And you start taking ownership for a lot of that and it kind of builds a false ego, right? So, you know, because when you really dig in and that's really what AA did for me was allow me to just really start exploring myself to figure out, you know, who I really am because at the, at the core of who I was prior to, you know, becoming beholden to that bottle was a funny guy who really loved life and just wanted to, you know, make a good living and, and have a family and, and move on like the way I was raised. I mean, it was a pretty happy place growing up. And I found myself, you know, living some pretty dark days and trying to blame everybody else in the midst of that disease yeah. uh, for all that. Right. So I had this, you know, I had, had my ex not left me, I wouldn't be like this. And <laughs> had she not tried to take my kid away, I would, wouldn't be like this. <laughs> Let's face it, I was a drunk, you know, yeah. I mean, and it took a, it takes a lot of self-actualization to finally look at yourself in the mirror and go, Corey, you're a, you're a drunk. And thank God, you know, she fought to make sure you weren't being you know, free with your daughter to put her in harm's way. Yeah. Because that never happened to me. I mean, I know people that have had that, but I was fortunate enough that I never had to go through any of that. Yeah. Because, well, I just wasn't allowed to see her other than through supervised visits early on. Yeah. So as you start going through that process, you realize that, you know, I'm powerless. How am I going to rebuild my life? And this idea of, you know, one day at a time starts to take a hold. Um, you know, in the beginning, it's small successes. It's, hey, I didn't pick up a drink today. Hey, I had another day where I didn't pick up a drink. And then it becomes, you know, bigger. Like, hey, I, I had a day where, you know, I didn't even think about drinking. Yeah. And then it's, hey, I had a whole week where now I'm becoming more normal and focusing oh. on trying to worry. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the jury's still out, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you become more you're you're able to to focus better and realize what's really important in life and what you are really wanting to do mm-hmm. and then you know and that's where so during that time when i was going through the divorce we'd actually been trying to take advantage of that government program that was supposed to pay your mortgage oh so yeah we were paying our mortgage every month and then they said uh you know we were having troubles because obviously i'd gotten laid off and and uh, they said, well, in order to make that work, you have to stop paying your mortgage. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem good, but okay. Yeah. You guys are the government program telling me what to do. So ultimately, we found ourselves in foreclosure, you know, and that's kind of what preempted the divorce is that, uh, you know, my wife just, everybody has a breaking point, I believe. And there are things that are going to happen in people's lives that, you know, for whatever reason, that's just not going to be acceptable to them and they can't move out from, from it. And that's fine. Um, I wanted to try to control that situation back then. But the, the truth is I went through some things financially that all of a sudden started making me realize, because there's a saying that we have in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that says that no matter where I have gone, you know, I can basically be of use to someone because of what I've gone through. Yeah. And I kind of started to attach myself to that idea that, you know, maybe I could really help some people. Cause let's face it, when I was working for Pfizer, 
they were getting very rich and I was not really helping anybody. <laughs> I was just telling doctors about, you know, how to make sure that their uh, ED patients were going to, you know, stay married and happy during that. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I wasn't helping anybody. <laughs> always been a giver though, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the idea of being a financial advisor, which had been an initial dream prior to getting swept up by uh, Pfizer, really started to take hold. So when I found myself looking at what kind of options would there be, and this idea that maybe I should stop listening to my head and start listening to healthy people around me, you know, my folks had moved out here in 2011. And so they said, hey, Corey, come check it out. You know, come out here, see what this is like. Of course, I had a thousand excuses on why that shouldn't be because I have a daughter down in Texas. Yeah. And they're like, we can figure that out. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll make that happen. But why don't you just get away from there and come out here? You know, so I make the joke now that, you know, my divorce was so awesome that, you know, I basically had to go across the country to, you know, have some, have some rebuilding and some faith in humanity again uh extradition rights too in all honesty exactly exactly i needed to be safe a bit more loose out here free (laughs) adult right (laughs) exactly so i mean i i found myself out here through you know love of family and and the program and and basically looking at a place where i just didn't want to live like that anymore and i was ready to make a change Mm -hmm. and you kind of just throw that hope to faith and say, look, if there is, you know, something bigger out there for us, some other power, yeah, you know, then I'm just going to kind of follow that and see what happens. So I, I from the get-go, I kind of had this idea that if I'm not meant to be here, or if I'm not meant to do what I'm doing today, whether it's family, business, friend, you know, being a friend to someone, uh, or being a brother and a, and a son to my my parents, you know, then I'm going to know there's going to yeah. be some source of influence that will be showing me that I'm not doing it right. Yeah. And, I, and then I'll need to abandon that and move on to something else. But I you know, that. I give myself a chance every single day when I don't pick up a drink and it's been going on about eight years now that I haven't touched alcohol and I don't miss it. You know, I'm still able to laugh because let's face it, if you can't laugh at the, you know, S H I T you've been through, Yep. And then what are you doing? Right? Then what are you doing? Because you I mean, life is way too <laughs> tough. Yeah. And you got to find some joy in all that. And you know what? It's your story. Yeah. So, I mean, make the best of it. I mean, it's, I can't go back and change it, you yeah. know? No. So it, it's part of me. It's, it's what's made me, me today. And, you know, um, I think for when I first got in, I was probably really ashamed of it, you know, sure. that, that had happened but over time I started to realize that you know I actually overcame it yeah I've recovered you know and there's not that many people that do and so I think you you kind of stare out the abyss of you know a life that was on its path towards death yeah and you get a second chance I don't know it, it changes you you absolutely become pretty optimistic about it yeah yeah sure <laughs> It can't get much worse than it was. <laughs> well, this is this is actually a pretty good good segue too, because um, well, you you mentioned basically the power of laughter, and of course I go ding 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 because that that's the whole point of shut up and laugh. Tell me what um, 
one of the strongest examples you could pull from, even from recent history, where laughter really has helped. And I, not to steer you in any direction, but I don't know, about a year and a half ago at a Kirkland location, you told me that, um, that you, that you might've had a little surgery. And <laughs> yeah. suddenly, suddenly something else happened. And right. had you not told me almost in laughter right. spawned tears, yeah. I'd like to say tears of joy, but I'm not sure. So, I mean, okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm tossing this one out yeah. to you. Will you share that story? Yeah. Because it's one of the funniest damn things oh, yeah. I've heard in years. Because this was, right here is the power of laughter and why we right. just need to shut up and laugh, right? It was. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I struggle with how to deliver the, the message here, but whether I give away the, the end result or not, but let's face it, I mean, things are going to happen in our lives that we were not planning on, right? <laughs> and you especially if you're a guy like me who is pretty visual with, you know, animated in the face. And I mean, yes. people are going to figure out if something's going on with me pretty quick, right? Oh, Corey's not having a good day. You know, he's just not acting like himself. I knew. And, <laughs> and that was, and that was one of those days. Right. And so it was like, I don't know. I mean, you're just trying to make sense of it all. And I think that's where laughter does a lot for me personally mm -hmm. is that it helps break down all the seriousness of trying to figure things out and sometimes yeah. you just gotta laugh at a situation because because you had it's a so bizarre you know like like mine i mean my wife came home on basically like a friday is the way i say it and she had had a, a meeting with her lady doctor and her lady doctor had advised her that you know she's 40 years of age and she probably didn't need to be on birth control anymore and uh, that, you know, there's a very nice procedure her husband could go through <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, nice. Yeah. Um, it's actually not that bad, but, um, you know, that I, sh that that's what we should do. And it would help a lot with some of her emotions. So I made an appointment with Dr. Snip, which <laughs> is, uh, over there, you know, named wonderfully and, uh, over there in the, uh, university district area, great place, by the way. It's an outpatient procedure, takes, I don't know, 10 minutes. I mean, it's a nothing deal. I, I'm sure it took longer than that, but it really is, it's a nothing deal. It's a blur. And, uh, now, I did drag my wife along for that because I wanted her to know what I was doing for yeah. us. You know, I wanted her to see it. Ultimate right? sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it happened and, uh, you know, we're, we're cruising on our merry way. And that day that you saw me was literally, I think, a day after she had gone to Bartell Drugs and picked up a pregnancy test while she was at work and sent me a picture where it said positive. Obviously, this is a, a few weeks after the surgery. Yeah, this is like six weeks after. Okay. So we're like, huh? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm full of fear. I mean, what do you do? You know, you're just like, how is this possible? I just had a procedure, you know, and we didn't touch Sorry, it when, when a man lies next to a woman, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you how it happens okay. if, if you need that. <laughs> that was a joke a lot, too. People were like, yeah, do you need to re rehearse that with you, Corey, or, you know, review it with you? But the truth is, is that when they did the, the date, kind of, they, you know, I mean, technology is so amazing today. They can, like, whittle it back down to the hour, I swear. Apparently not. <laughs> 
but uh, they, they came back and said it was done during that week where I was waiting to get the vasectomy. And, you know, I just, we both kind of looked at it and we're like, what are the odds of that? And that let's- Extremely oh. low. <laughs> yeah, right? So <laughs> it was meant to be, Blakely's with us today and, you know, we couldn't be happier. I mean, yeah. we're in our forties and we have a baby. We have to joke around about yeah. that too, because- yeah. You know, when she goes off to college, I think I'll be, you know, 59. <laughs> I'm going to be working till I'm dead, which is great for my clients, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. Let's face well, it. again, I, I thank you for sharing that story yeah. because I will never forget the look on your face. It was like this. Yeah. I mean, it was just pure horror. Right. That joy plus, oh my God, plus OMFG. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you were your animated face in you know invincibles or incredibles whatever right. character or not you were like i don't know if i can do this <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it's like well you already have yeah um so it was great and and, and your ability to embrace humor throughout all of it yeah including some of the ups and downs afterwards which which we're not going to get into but yeah. you guys have been absolute rock stars and i'd like to think that the power of humor and just with jamie bless her heart living with a cartoon character has ha i mean you guys have gone through a lot and yeah. um i just think that's 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 amazing um okay so <laughs> tell me what makes you laugh right now and the precursor to that is where do you go to seek solace when you really need to relax, when you need to blow off steam? Um, I ask this because I found in doing this podcast since October, people don't always feel or think it's okay to laugh. Yeah. They don't think they can look adversity in the face and just chuckle, right? right. And they don't feel that they can dive in deep and bring out all that SHID that they've been through to then face that next hurdle. What do you do to purposely go find funny or how do you manifest it? You know, I think some of it I think is a, it's, it's kind of a way of being that makes sense. Like, yeah, you just kind of have to start thinking that everything's really not that serious. You know, yeah. I mean, I've, I don't mean to be dramatic when I say it, but I, you know, I've been on my, my own deathbed. You know, I've had doctors look at me in ERs as I was going through my disease and looking at me like, you know, we just did tests on you and you have blood alcohol levels that you should be dead. You know, what are you doing with your life kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you go from there to where I'm at today, I mean, it's just kind of like, I mean, life is funny if you let it be. It really is. I mean, let's think about this in just like a nutshell form. We're going to basically live under the home of our parents for about 18 years. You know, now evidently it's longer. You know, it's like till you're like, I don't know, 40. <laughs> God, I hope not. Or they're coming back, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, what are the two? <laughs> but you're living in there and then you get kind of pushed out into life right and i and i often laugh about this you, you know you're 18 years old you have no bit of sense around money you can sign up for credit cards and they're all over your college campus right oh here, here get this card get this card you can serve in our military you can vote you don't really have an opinion but you can vote 
You know, I mean, I've talked to the 18, our 18 year old. I mean, I've asked him about the voting thing. He's like, I don't know who you're going to vote for. You know, I mean, he's a smart kid. So, but this stuff takes time to generate our belief system and our philosophy around. And so it's funny to think about how we just kind of get swept into it all. And if you're one of those people that just wants to take life too seriously, then you're going to probably have a very serious, boring time in yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can find a way to laugh through it all, you're going to find yourself really enjoying every day and looking forward to it all. And I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, yeah. I mean, right now, don't get me wrong. This market's been, I mean, March was not fun, right? I mean, it was a lot of counseling of clients to let them know, you know, this is going to be okay. But it, there was also trying to incorporate laughter into every one of those meetings. Not in it's not like I was like, oh, make sure I make them laugh. It was, let's try to laugh about some of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of really the tragedy of behavioral science, if you will. I mean, just how the people behave, you know, ah, market's going down and they, you know, run into the street. Like, okay, at the end of the day, if the market goes to zero, what does that really mean? Why? That Why? means, <laughs> yeah, it means that <laughs> the world has changed in some way that we are no longer going to care about money because something really bad has yeah. happened at that yeah. point. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, yes, this is what it does. We know that. And if we're going to apply ourselves, in this industry, you're going to have to learn to have some fun with it sure. or yeah, have a heart attack sitting at the desk. I mean, this is not good. So today, you know, I've got that, that little baby and she provides a ton of laughter. I've got an amazing wife who is super funny yeah. when she's not even trying to be. I mean, that's the coolest part. And so, you know, there's constantly laughter there. Uh, I got wonderful friends like yourself and colleagues, you know, that, you know, are funny, that are just funny people. I like to be yeah. around happy, funny people. And that's the other thing I do. I mean, I, I don't hang around a bunch of, you know, Eeyores. I hang around, you know, a bunch of people that, Eeyore. that are fun. <laughs> Next question, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. Hey, I got to go. Um, you, you do something that's very interesting to me. And I was wondering if you'd like to share with your listening and now viewing audience for the first time, why do you always have an extra outfit on hand at your office? Well, <laughs> Amy came through for you. <laughs> yes, you can thank your lovely bride for sharing Oh uh, my God. relationship. Um, so there's let, a couple things that can happen in the in the course of a day, Brian. Well, we only have so much time left right. in this in this broadcast. Okay, so, well, good because you know, maybe we won't get to the second one. <laughs> let's cover the finer points here of why you always have an additional outfit on hand. So sometimes I'm trying to move very fast through my day, and I will find myself in a situation where I need to cram a meal down, right? And in doing so, I may not have the best etiquette. Now, I'm not doing this in front of people. It's not like we're sitting at the table with other, I'm, I'm by myself in front of the computer, doing my job, trying to, trying to get a meal down. And it, like nine times out of 10, food ends up all over me. And so, you know, and then I gotta get on a Zoom meeting or I gotta go meet with the client, <laughs> like pre-COVID days. 
you know, and I got like a big mozzarella ball stain here or something. It's just not good. So okay. there's always an extra shirt. But, you know, and the men out here will appreciate this. I mean, some, as we get older, sometimes things, things get a little looser on the number two side, you know? And so you might be thinking that you're going to pass a wee bit of gas and you might get an extra present. <laughs> and, I did not expect this answer to go there. And the unfortunate thing about that is that if you're stuck at your office, let's face it, what are you going to do? Drive all the way home in it? No. Uh, so no. I learned a long time ago to not be <laughs> hot without an extra pair of pants. So, you know, I mean, it happened. literally became behind the scenes with Corey Bear. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm human. You know, I mean, I tell my wife that all the time. I'm like, what do you, what do you want? I'm human. I mean, I, I can't be perfect, you know. I wish well, I, I, I personally can't <laughs> wait to hear the answer to the next question. Um, tell us briefly something you recently lost on a family vacation with your parents. And, 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 if, and if that's not quite yet ringing a bell, possibly someone oh, yeah. lost during... So recent trip with the family yeah. i had mentioned the uh, the depths of my disease right so my parents were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary and they were sweet enough to actually drag me they didn't drag us they invited me myself and my or me myself yeah me myself and i uh me my brother and my little sister to come along with them and i lost her after a night of drinking in Victoria. So there we were, and we were Texans at that time. So yeah. oh, you're always you know, they were less than pleased with me. Uh, we laugh about it today. They did find her making out with the bartender that she was crushing on in the boathouse behind the hotel. Okay. She'll appreciate that one too. Remind me never to travel with Corey. Okay. I mean, now I'm a good travel partner. You know, I don't drink anymore. But yeah, back then it was not. Guaranteed to remember every little tidbit. And hey, extra outfits for everyone. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask you one last question, and then uh, we're going to do the James Lipton nod, which, uh, if you recall, uh, since you've listened to at least one of my podcasts, is the is well, actually now the actual tribute to James Lipton since he recently passed. But it's three questions that every one of my interviewers get. And um, ideally, you answer it in one word or less. I'll let you figure out that math in just a second, but nobody ever does, does it right. They always, you know, go on a diatribe, but hopefully don't. <laughs> um, Corey, you are a outstanding guy and you are, I like to think at least now, minor to, uh, minus missing or losing people, um, you're, you're an upstanding citizen. And I, I see you as a father and a husband and a community figure and you're making a difference and you're doing your damnedest every single day. And I absolutely love, adore and honor that about you. So um, obviously thank you for being on the show, but at the same time, um, for starters, I, I, I wanna know if you're gonna encourage your daughter, uh, your, oh, your, your eldest, I should, should say daughter, to watch or listen to this podcast. I would, yeah. 
I mean, she knows I, my story. Uh, okay. You know, she and knew, she knew Daddy ask. was sick, uh, as the way we, we talked about it early on, she, yeah. Daddy was sick with the alcohol. Daddy was sick with the alcohol. Okay. Now, is there anything that you'd like to tell her or tell Jamie or tell your blended family or tell your beautiful youngest, whoopsie, I daughter? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, is there anything, anything that you'd like to share to them or, of course, anyone in the listening audience about Cory Bear? You know, every day I get up and I find that I'm just beyond blessed. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's truly a feeling that I have every day that, you know, not every day is perfect, but I've got an incredible life today that I would have never had imagined yeah. 20 years ago, you know, definitely 10 years ago. And here I am. And, uh, you know, whatever you do in life, just keep marching forward and find a way to laugh along the way because this thing just keeps getting funnier as you go. It really does. And you too might be able to keep a second pair of pants at your office. <laughs> Let's keep a spare. Fantastic. Okay. Um, again, thank you very much for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. I know this is a chunk out of your busy day of going buy, buy, sell, sell, or pretty much just turning your phone off and on mute and just saying, forget about it. I'm done. I have to eat a hoagie in five minutes or less. Um, time of the James Lipton nod. You ready? Yep. Okay. What is one of your biggest pet peeves? Not being on time. Very good. What's your favorite place you've traveled to or would like to? The beach. The beach. Okay. I like that. If you could be known for one thing only right now, what would that be? Kindness. Kindness. Love that. Okay. And you said all those with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> Normally people yeah, is that good or bad? I don't no, know. I don't know. I think it's good. Okay, so again, thank you so much for being part of the Shut Up and Laugh broadcast. I'm going to go ahead and give us the little broadcast and the shout out. Um, I do this on all of them for consistency's sake, and plus, uh, people who have way more popular podcasts told me it's important to do this. But really. Hopefully to leave you with with a you know, little something. So this is for you, and of course it's for everyone out there listening. When you're out there in between these podcasts, with everything around everyone around you, everything and everyone around you that you know and love, remember, especially today, be a witness, be real, be present to those you care about. Why do I ask this of you? I'm challenging you, Corey Bear, as well as anyone out there listening or now watching this broadcast, because sometimes we just all have to be together or find a way to be together. And just shut up and laugh. I'll do it. Thank you again. I appreciate you. Folks, I want to introduce you all to an amazing real estate broker named Michael Piccolo of Piccolo Properties. Yes, he's been on our show once before as an interview guest, and he's working through Caliber Real Estate and is really doing some amazing work with his clients, whether they're buying their first home, selling their property, or even just looking into the investment side of the real estate industry during this tumultuous time in the market. He integrates top-notch technology when selling your home from virtual walkthroughs to drone technology and is 100% invested in your success. Just take a moment, look him up on Facebook at fb.com forward slash M 
Piccolo Properties, that's P-I-C-C-O-L-O, or just type in the hashtag Better Call Mike and tell them I sent you.